Next week I'll be starting a series, uh, a different series. One on stewardship. And so now no one's going to show up next week. But let me tell you, when I preach on stewardship, I just mentioned this as I, before I get into it, I have just a short challenge this morning from Joshua. Most people immediately say, oh, pastor's going to be talking about money. Can I just tell you something? It'll be very little about money because God is more, listen to me, God wants your heart more than he wants anything else. Amen? And he wants your life. And he has entrusted us and given us many things for us while we're here to steward. Amen? And so it'll be very little bit about money. And I know the treasure saying, oh, come on, pastor, preach on. There will be some, okay? Because if God has your heart, then he has everything. Amen? And so we'll be talking about stewardship for a few weeks starting next week. But in Joshua 3, verses 1 through 17, I'd like to read this powerful story. And once again, it's a true story. And it's where we see the hand of God and where God is just working in a miraculous way for his people. Joshua 3, beginning in verse 1, he says this. He says, then Joshua, he rose early in the morning and they set out from from Shittim and they came to the Jordan. He and all the people of Israel and they lodged there before they passed over. And at the end of three days, the officers went throughout the camp and they commanded the people Notice what he says. He says, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place. Now notice these words. Will you say these next words with me and do what? Follow it. All right? Remember those words. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it about 2,000 cubits. That's about 3,000 feet or so. Okay? He says, do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go Notice this statement, for you have not passed this way before. We're going to speak on that here in just a moment. You have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, I like this. He speaks to Joshua as well. Today, I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. And they may know that as I was with Moses, notice these words, he says, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant. And when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Hivites, the Parasites, oh, I'm sorry, Parasites, the Girgashites, the Amorites and the Jebusites. I wish you would have said termites too, amen? That's just a little church humor there because we had some termites a while back. But anyway, moving along. Before the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into Jordan. Now therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel. From each tribe, take a man. And notice this. And when the soles of the feet 
of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. And the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and notice these words, and the feet of the priest bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now Jordan overflows all of its banks throughout the time of harvest. This was meaning it was flood stage. The Jordan was at flood stage. The waters coming down from above stood. This is the wonders. This is the miraculous sign that God is giving them. It says it stood and it rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, we know it as the Dead Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho, We know this on dry ground. Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all of Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. What an amazing story, amen? And many of us know the story. Then later we know that Joshua will go with God's people and God will fight for them at the battle of Jericho. I want to speak for a few moments on this statement. It's interesting. God made this statement in verse, four, in verse 4 to the nation of Israel. He says, you have not passed this way before. You know, this is a new year, isn't it? It's hard to believe it's 2023. Where did 2022 go, right? But we're now in a new year. For all practical purposes, last year is behind you. There is nothing that you can go back to. You cannot undo a single action. You cannot take back a single word. And before you is a new year full full of hope and promise. And maybe for some of you, possibly maybe even full of anxiety and fear. The children of Israel had not passed this way before. As you study this passage, this is the record of the crossing of God's people from the wilderness into the promised land. There's a lot of analogy there. We may look at that in just a moment, just some symbolism for us. You see, understand this, that 40 years before this time, God had brought his people to the same Jordan River. God had delivered them, and they too had walked across on dry ground across the Red Sea. Do you remember? And God had delivered them from from Pharaoh, and God had delivered them from Egypt, and they were delivered, and now God is going to lead them to the promised land. He's going to lead them into a land that He had promised them, a land that was filled with, the Bible says, with milk and honey. It was the idea of this is that it was a land of prosperity. It was a land uh, where God was going to, to give them uh, that, that milk and that honey, and they were going to live uh, there in a place where God was going to bless them. And God so badly wanted to bless them. 
God so badly wanted them to, to enjoy the, the, the bounty of the blessings of God. But do you remember what happened 40 years before when God's people came to the Jordan? In fact, it's right near the same place. Did you notice? Did you catch what city was mentioned there? The city of what? Jericho. Do you remember what happened the last time? When Moses sent in the 12 spies, and remember the song, 10, 10 were bad and 2 were good. Anyone remember that way back when? They sent in the 12 spies, and what did they say? We can't do it. Jericho is too strong of a city, and the people are giants, and we, are, we, we can't do it. And the Bible tells us that for fear, they would not cross over the Jordan. And God was upset, and God was angry. And here's the thing, it was because God knew that they were going to miss out on the blessings of that promised land. You see, God had so much more for them. Do not miss this. What happened was in essence this, that God had delivered them. God had saved them and delivered them from bondage and from Egypt. And God not only wanted to deliver them from something, he wanted to deliver them to something. Somebody say amen. amen. He wanted to deliver them from bondage and slavery, but he said, I, I'm not only delivering you from something, I want to deliver you to the promised land. And in the promised land, it was a, as they went in and they spied it out, they came back and said, it is a place filled with, with God's blessing. Man, it is a beautiful place. And it was a place that was filled with milk and honey. And, it, and, and understand this, it was the place where God desired for them to be. But in the middle, between these two places, there was what's called the wilderness. Are you with me? And they had spent a little time in the wilderness. And what's sad is this, they got comfortable in the wilderness. You see, God wanted them to cross over the Jordan into this promised land, into a place of bounty and into a place of blessing, into a place, if you will, of victory, where God would give them victory over their enemies. But instead, out of fear, they would not cross over the Jordan. And they said, we will not do it. And so they had to wander for another 40 years. This time, 40 years later, those who were 20 years and older, and the two good spies, Joshua and Caleb, are going to be able to cross over. Amen? And we're going to see as we study here that they did cross over. Let me ask you this question. Do you sometimes fear the unknown? How many, how many say, yeah, come on now. You sometimes fear the unknown. I would propose to you that this group of people also feared what was on the other side like their parents did. The only difference is they learned their lesson, right? You know, like, we know what happened to our parents when they did not obey God. We all fear the unknown fears. 
For some of you in 2023, maybe you have some fears. Maybe you have some anxieties. I'm not just talking about the year, but there will be. You will be. There will be things that will bring anxiety, bring stress into your life. Decisions and choices and career choices for some, maybe. All kinds of decisions, choices to be made and opportunity for stress, opportunity for anxiety, opportunity for fear to cripple you. You see, what we understand is this, is that the generation before this group of people, they were consumed by their fear and their fear kept them from what God wanted for them. Fear can cripple us. Sometimes fear will then allow us to be content in the wilderness. Let me ask you something. Did God want much more for for them than the wilderness life? Yes or no? Oh, yeah. He had so much more for them than this wilderness life. He wanted them to enjoy the blessings and the bounty, but because of fear, they would not cross over and therefore they continued in the wilderness. Let me give you this analogy. When I was back in Bible college, my wife and I even, we we met and we were in Bible college and, and then later we even got married, but I still had to finish up Bible school, Bible college. And and I remember we both were, we were both working and we both worked kind of most of the same shifts. And we worked, by the way, if you can work together in a stressful restaurant environment and you can work together and last for a couple years, you can, your marriage will last, let me tell you. And I'll never forget this. We were working, you know, because it was flexible, but it had the hours and we were working salad bar at a steak and seafood restaurant. In like Exeter, Pennsylvania, down, uh, Downingtown area. It's kind of way out suburbs of, of Philadelphia. And I was going to Bible college there. And, and I'll never forget this. We were working salad bar. And, uh, and people would tell us, they would say to me, they'd say to my wife or they'd say to myself, they said, you guys need to start, what you need to do is you need to be servers. You need to be a server. You can make a whole bunch more money. And I'm like, well, how does it work? They're like, well, you get paid. I think it was, it's weird how you remember things. I think it was $2.17 an hour. You make $2.17 an hour. Some of you are like, Pastor Joe, how old are you? Are you 80? No, not quite, almost. Because what they did was they would obviously pay you very little, but you lived off tips. And I thought to myself, I don't know if I, I kind of liked the security. Okay, just follow me now. I liked the security of, hey, at that time, I, I think we were actually making like, I think it was like eight or eight fifty or something like that. But remember, we're married. So when we're both on the clock, eight plus eight is 16 plus 50. That's 17 dollars an hour. And back then, way, way, way back then, you know, when you had to crank the car to get it going, you know, the old Model T. Way back then, I mean, and so, I, but I mean, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you something. We literally lived from paycheck to paycheck and, and barely that was enough. 
We, could, we were barely surviving. I'm talking barely surviving, like talking about fumes to get to work. And we were, I mean, we were, we were living off of the food that they would send home from work. They'd like, you can take this home. And we would live off it. And I remember this too, fried rice. My wife knew how to make fried rice and we lived on fried rice, let me tell you. Rice is cheap, amen? And so she would mix some eggs and she'd make fried rice and I, I, would, I would live on fried rice, let me tell you. And we were broke. But I had security in knowing how much I was going to make. And I remember people telling us, telling my wife and I both, you both need to serve. You both need to work. But let me tell you something. I was content in my wilderness of salad bar. (laughs) And it was a miserable job too, by the way. And so we're working that salad bar and stocking it and going back and restocking it and get slammed on Friday and Saturdays. And, and I would watch the service. I'm like, man, they had to work hard. But I was working just as hard. And finally, I don't remember, I think of my wife was the first one. But finally, she started serving and, and they talked us into it. And they said, listen, life will be better for you. And so finally, I, 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 we took this step. And I was like, but I don't know. I, I mean, I'm basically living off tips. $2 an hour, you know, I, I'm at the mercy of all these people out there. And I know what this world is like. Come on now. <laughs> and so we took the step of faith. We left the wilderness of Salabar and we took the step of faith into serving. And I remember when I, we first started getting trained, we started serving. I remember like one of the first nights. I know my wife maybe started a day or two before me. And, and she, I mean, she, $100, you know. And she's like, wow. And I'm like, well, well, maybe that's a fluke. And then I remember when they put me, you know, when I first was getting trained, they put me in the bad section. They're like, this is a section where you're not going to make much money. I remember I made over $100 the first night. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of liking this gig. I'm not making this up. There were times I was making, one night, I remember I made, and one shift, this is back, way back, 97, 96, 97, 19, okay, please don't say 18, (laughs) 19. I remember one night, I came home with $276, I still remember. That was just me on my shift, and when my wife was working, and I was like, why did I wait so long? My wife and I, every two or three days, we had this big old box. Remember this, honey? It was like an old cigar box. We didn't smoke cigars. I just had this old cigar box. How we, I don't remember. We had this old-looking like, cigar box. It was full of cash, and we would, on our way to work, we would have to, because we couldn't keep that much cash in the house. We would pull in, and we would just take it in, and we'd just throw all this cash out, and they would put it into our account. And I'm not going to, I'm going to tell you something. After a few weeks, after about a month or so, we, act, we had money. Not only do we have money, we're like, well, we don't, you know, with school and, and, and stress, I was able to cut down instead of working five and six days a week. My wife and I, and they loved us, and we were amazing. I'm just saying, you know, I mean. They said, what days do you want to work? You just pick the days you want to work and you work them. So we picked the days we wanted to work. And we were working three days a week. I was like, this is amazing. And then when we wanted to go visit family, God just was blessing. But 
when we go to visit, we want to visit family. There was times we took off for a month and we didn't even really think about it. We would take off a month, go out to Oregon and stay with our family. And my father-in-law says, what? What married couple on any planet gets to take a month off and just be fine? He goes, do you guys realize how blessed you are? And I was kind of like, yeah, you're right. I think my wife and I need to go back and start serving. Amen. <laughs> Take a month off. Who does that? My father says, who does that? Who can afford? You know, and we had rent and we had car and car payment, car insurance and food and all those things. Of course, that was before kids. That might have something to do with it, possibly. But can I tell you something? The fr- I was so afraid of the unknown that I was stuck in the wilderness of salad bar. I wonder how many Christians have a wilderness that they need to get out of. Some Christians find themselves in a wilderness of bad relationships. Maybe even certain friends who are, who are not the best for you. And you're afraid. But can I tell you something? Sometimes you've got to leave the wilderness before you can find what God has better for you. What two things help us overcome fear? When we're afraid of the unknown. When we're afraid to leave the comfort, to please the sarcastic comfort of the wilderness into what God has for us. What wilderness do you need to leave? Well, this job, this career, this path that I'm on, it, it gives me some, a certain point of, of comfort. Can I tell you something? The children of Israel got comfortable in the wilderness and that is not where the blessings of God were. Did God take care of them? Yes. But that wasn't where the blessings of God were. Does this, is this resonating, please, somebody? And how many times do we get comfortable in a wilderness when God has so much more for us but, but you don't understand? I have security here. No, you don't. It's because we want to be in control. Oh, let me tell you, we want the control and we've got this and I've got this figured out. And they had to go back to the wilderness. And this generation said, we are not going to be content in the wilderness. And so we too, we will do what God has asked us to do. I think there's two key things. Number one, you ready? It's interesting. It says that they took the ark of God. The priest took the ark of God and they led the people out of the camp. The Bible says that their job was to follow the ark of God. What does that mean for us? Well, understand this. What was this ark of the covenant? In all reality, the ark of the covenant was a picture of the presence of God. You see, in the ark was Aaron's rod. It says the rod that budded. It was Aaron's rod, the same rod that Moses used to part the waters. The same rod that... that that Moses used to, to bring forth the water from a rock. You see, this, this was God's miraculous power for God's people. 
Now understand, please don't miss this. It wasn't the rod. It was the God of the rod. Amen. But we had Aaron's rod. And it demonstrated the miraculous power and moving of God amongst God's people. The second thing that was in the ark of the covenant was the Ten Commandments on the tables of stone. Remember the Ten Commandments that was given Moses as God spoke to him there on Mount Sinai. And so what we have there is, it's in essence, the symbolism of the Word of God. He had God's Word. And also then there was a a pot, and, and what was in that pot was a pot of manna. God's provision. And God being the bread of life, amen? And so understand this, that the ark itself and the contents of the ark were symbolic of the presence of God. That wherever the ark went, that they were following God. And so you, in the very simplest, most easy way of saying it is this, is you say, how do I face the unknown? Here's how you face the unknown. How do I overcome fear when sometimes fear cripples me and grips me? How do I overcome it? Here's the key. If you're following God, it's all going to be good. It'll be okay. Because it's the presence of God that matters most. As long as they were following the ark, they were in the presence of God. We'll come back to that in just a moment. So the first thing Joshua says to them is, follow God. And it kind of ties into the next one, and that is this. You're going to have to demonstrate faith. Faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Or another way of saying is this, trust. Trust God. Now, this is what is really powerful to me. When they were crossing over the Red Sea, the Bible says in the middle of the night, they're surrounded by the Egyptian army. God sends a fog. Moses then stands there over the sea and he holds out the the rod of Aaron and God parts the sea. The Bible says that they walk across on dry ground. Amen? Now God is going to move and work again. But this is really, to me, this is like, wow. Wow. This time, they're going to go into the promised land where they're going to see God move and see God work. And God's going to... There will, by the way, can I just throw this out there? There will be battles. They have the battle of Jericho. Come on now, right? Do not think that when you cross into the promised land, so to speak, when you obey God, that there won't be battles. No, there will be battles. But here's the difference, that in the battles, God is with you. That's the key. This time, he says, take the Ark of the Covenant. Did you catch this? And it says that they carry the Ark of the Covenant into the water. It says when the priests, the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, says that they went into the brim of the water. And it tells us that their feet, their soles of their feet were in the water. It wasn't until they were in the water until then God... Parted the waters. 
You say, what does that mean? What, do you, what, what, what is that all about? Sometimes faith means this. It means getting your feet wet before you get to see God do great and mighty things. It means that when Jordan was at its flood stage, that they took the step of faith and that these priests were willing to get their feet wet before God would intervene. You know, most of us will not leave the comfort zone. Many of us are not willing to get our feet wet in order to see God do miraculous things. I hope this is God is speaking, His Spirit is speaking. Are you with me? Sometimes you have to be willing to get your feet wet before God will do a miraculous thing. Sometimes... God expects from us a step of faith before we can see God's power. Amen? So sometimes following God means getting your feet wet, but seeing his miraculous hand. Are we willing? Are we willing enough? Are we willing to trust God, I should say? Are we willing to trust God enough? To take this step of faith to get our feet wet. Oh, well, I know it sucks where I'm at, but I feel like I'm, there's some stability here. No, God has so much more for you. Amen. uncertainty and fear. I know God wants me to get baptized. Can I just say this? Before you get dunked, you got to get your feet wet first. Amen. (laughs) How many of you know that? Been there, done that. You're going to miss out on the blessings of God if you don't follow in obedience. Come on now. Can I be a little personal here? Some of you are in the wilderness of unbelief and you still have not trusted God with your finances and with your money and you'd say, I I could never tithe or I could never give to the church or I could never do that. Can I just tell you something? You're stuck in a wilderness. You're missing out on the blessings of God. Some of you have gifts and talents and abilities and and you're holding on to them and, and, and God wants to see you use them for His honor, for His glory. And God wants to use you and you have gifts, talents that maybe many others don't even know about and you're going to be stuck in that wilderness until you're willing to say, by faith, I'm going to step out and see what God is willing to do. And can I tell you something? God wants to use each and every one of you in a great and mighty way. Amen. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you're in a relationship and this person is not the one for you and it's not good for you, but you're just going to stay in it because, well, I put years into this relationship. Maybe God has something completely different for you. Come on now. Maybe your marriage is in a wilderness 
And if all you would do is just simply trust God, and can I say this as well, obey God and do the things that the Bible says to do and to love your spouse the way the Bible says to love your spouse, and if need be, to forgive your spouse the way that the Bible says to forgive your spouse, that you could move from that wilderness into a place of blessing. Amen? I love the words of the Lord to Joshua. In Joshua 3, verse 7, he talks about the presence of the Lord being with him. In Joshua 3, verse 7, I don't know if you have it there, he says this, The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, listen to these words, he says, So I will be with you. I'm running out of time. So Joshua 1.9, I love this. Listen to the words of jo- uh, the Lord to Joshua. And Joshua 1, if you were to read this entire chapter three times, he says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why do you think the Lord was saying that to Joshua? Do you think Joshua had fears? Absolutely. Do you think the task that God was and trusting to Joshua that he did not have fears and that he was like, oh my, I have to try to fill the shoes of Moses and now I have to lead over three million people into the promised land and how am I going to do this? And if they weren't going to listen to the great prophet Moses, how are they going to listen to me? And when Joshua, it says this, that in Joshua chapter 1, it's right after the death of Moses. Now the Lord says, Joshua, I have called you and you are going to be God's man. I'm going to use you and you're going to lead God's people. And you already know what happened to Joshua. Joshua was terrified. And the Lord says three times to him, he says, Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. And here's the key. Notice this. He says, have not I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. You think Joshua was terrified? The Bible says right there he was. God knew he was frightened. And he says, do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Praise God. Amen. How do you have the ability to overcome fear? It is faith over fear. Amen? To trust God and to know that if you are following God and you are obedient to God, and then if even though it means leaving the wilderness, to step over and cross over the Jordan River, that God has much better for you. And so Joshua was obedient. By the way, God's people are obedient. And the very next thing, we see battle. We see conflict. But what? What do we see? We see the presence of God. And God fought their battles for them. Amen? And God gave them victory. And God blessed them. And by the way, it's been quite a long time. But God's people, the nation of Israel, is still in the land to this day. Amen? And God has blessed them. I wonder what it is that God wants to do in each of your lives and our lives and my life. I wonder what God truly wants to do in this new year, even in the life of Red Hills, in the body of Red Hills, in each and every one of you, if we would just be willing to take that step of faith. And let me remind you, sometimes it's scary, but know this, that the Lord is with you. Amen? 
And sometimes faith means stepping into the waters, stepping out into the waters. And when you do, that's when God will act. I don't know about you, but me personally, I kind of like it when God parts the waters first. Amen. And you just go on dry ground. But sometimes God expects us to truly, truly trust him. I'll close with this passage, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord. Amen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Here's the hard part. You ready? Do not lean on your own understanding. Isn't that what we do? This doesn't make sense. And so we try to lean on our own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him. And what will he do? And he will make your paths straight. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's stand and pray this morning. Lord, we love you.